0: well good morning everybody I am Stephen I get to be the pastor of this church um, I'm excited because today we're beginning a new series right and this series is called living in God's presence um, if you have been spiritual if you've been around the church this idea of living in God's presence it's not something that's um, that's maybe that you, you probably heard it before the question is what does that mean what does that mean um, it This series is gonna focus on a passage that's gonna teach us about what it means to live in God's presence. It's the next section of Romans chapter eight. Um, It starts in verse five, but we wanna make sure we get the context of what begins in verse five. So we're gonna start reading in verse one of Romans eight. So we're gonna start Romans eight, verse one. Um, And I I just wanna remind you and encourage you that God himself inspired the words that I'm about to read for you. God inspired these words to be written so that you would know how to live in his presence. And so let's listen to the words of our God. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we've talked about this word now, Uh, In this letter in particular, the word now, when it shows up, it describes something huge that has changed because of Jesus. And verses 3 and 4 tell us what's changed. It says, "...for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh." in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what these verses are saying is that God has begun a new world in the middle of the old world. Like there is this world that exists and God is beginning a new world in the middle of the old world. And he's done this by conquering sin and by setting people free from guilt and condemnation and the power of our sin. And the end of verse four begins to describe the difference between people who are part of God's new world and people who are part of the old world. So old world people walk according to what's called the flesh, but new world people walk according to the spirit. And in the next section, Paul goes on to further describe the difference between spirit and flesh. And that's what our message is going to be about today. And and as we read, we're going to read verses 5 through 13. They're in your bulletin. Um, But I want you to notice the difference as we read this between spirit versus flesh okay? He's going to talk about these two different things in two different ways. So let's read verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So did you see Paul going back and forth? Back and forth between the Spirit and the flesh, right, throughout this passage, I think it's helpful sometimes to even study more closely when you see a dichotomy like this and this repetition of these two different things. um, You can print out the passage. You can then highlight it with different colors. That's what I did this week. Um, You can see what it looks like. I highlighted the parts about the spirit in green and I highlighted the parts about the flesh in yellow. And it just helps you to visualize the point that Paul is making, this contrast. But what does it mean? Like, what does it mean, flesh versus spirit? What does this mean? There are a lot of people, people in the church even, who believe that this is some sort of duality, that the flesh is physical and physical is bad, but but the spirit is like the non-material part of you, and that's good. And people who think that that's what Paul is talking about here, they think that, well, physical things are actually bad. Our bodies are bad with their desires and their cravings, um, but our souls are spiritual, and our souls are saved by God. And this creates a spirituality. This creates a view of life that says that we should deny all physical enjoyments. We should deny all forms of pleasure because all of that stuff just tempts you away from the spirit It tempts you away from the things that are most important about your soul. And I've got to tell you, this is wrong. This is not how the Bible thinks about life. It's not how the Bible understands flesh and spirit. And Paul, when he talks about flesh and spirit, like to understand what this means, like what this actually means, I actually need to share with you the story of the whole Bible. Okay, That's what we're going to do. We're going to actually go through the entire Bible from the beginning all the way to the end. And I'm going to move quickly through it, just going to spend a few minutes walking through the whole Bible. So... This might feel overwhelming to you, but I've given you a little graphic. And as you have the graphic in your bulletin, you can fill in the pieces of the graphic so that you can see how this graphic tells the story of the Bible. But you might need to like, just listen and you can go back and watch it on the recording if you want to, uh, to grasp everything. Um, but even though you don't get all the particulars, like, don't worry, you're gonna grab the, the big picture story so that you can understand the main point. So as I walk through this, I'm going to have you fill in the charts that you have um, in your bulletins. And so uh, the Bible begins with heaven, like it begins with God and God's throne is in heaven. And God's first act is creation. God makes the heavens and the earth, and then he creates people in his image. Now, heaven and earth are created as separate spaces, There's overlap, but they're separate. And so God makes a covenant. He makes a covenant with Adam and Eve. And a covenant is a promise of God's family love. God is saying, I will be your father and you will be my children. That's what the covenant does. And by obeying God's covenant, God with Adam and Eve would have brought heaven and earth together so that God and his people would live together in perfect communion forever. So that was the design of the covenant. But instead of obeying God's covenant, Adam and Eve disobeyed. They broke the covenant with God in what we call the fall. This is the fall of humanity into sin. And so the Bible says that the fall plunged the whole human race into a sinful rebellion against God, and human history became known as the present evil age. It's described that way in Galatians 1 verse 4, um, and this present evil age is heading through history toward judgment. Okay, the present evil age is heading for judgment. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, in the perspective of the Old Testament, God made all these promises. He made all these promises that he would send a Messiah. And the Messiah was supposed to be his king. It was supposed to be the king who would save the world. Right? And this Messiah would come, and he would rescue his people from the present evil age. He would judge evil, and he would bring his people into a world that was fixed, into a world that was renewed by God's presence and God's power. And the Bible called God's new world the age to come. And so the Bible talks about the age to come, because, and when the, and when the age to come comes, um, everything would be made perfect. Heaven and earth would finally be joined together. Uh, it would be the world that God promised Adam and Eve before the fall. And so for thousands of years, God's people were looking forward to the coming of this Messiah. When God would bring, from present evil age, he would bring the age to come and then life would be perfected as the evil then gets judged. But, are you with me? Are you with me? We good? All right, I know this is a lot. Don't worry, I'm gonna give you a heck of a lot more. It's gonna get super complicated here in just a second. Um, but when Jesus comes, it doesn't quite work out the way people expected. This is why they didn't like believe in him. A lot of people didn't believe him because they didn't get, they, they sort of misunderstood the plan that God had because Jesus shows up and he actually doesn't end the present evil age, right? What happens to Jesus? He dies on the cross, Jesus dies on the cross. It's as though Jesus came to fight the present evil age and he lost. It looked like sin and death actually defeated Jesus on the cross. And so this is travesty and depression and despair and hopelessness because the one that we were convinced was going to save the world all of a sudden couldn't save himself. But, keep saying but, right? Because the story is full of these, th- 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 these verses that say, but God did this, and then this happened, but this happened, right? On the third day from the cross, something amazing happened. The resurrection. The resurrection. Jesus actually entered into death and then passed through death and came out the other side. Jesus came out the other side and he ascended into heaven and he is seated on the throne of God. And Jesus says that all power and authority has been given to me and he is now reigning in God's kingdom. And so for Jesus, the age to come arrived. Jesus entered into the age to come And he is in heaven reigning with God. Now, the Bible says that in the future, there will be a day when Jesus comes again. We call this his second coming because we're really smart and come up with cool phrases to describe when Jesus comes again. We call it the second coming. Um, Now, on that day, On that day, when Jesus comes again, he will finally judge and he will finally end the present evil age. And then heaven and earth will be joined together in God's final, perfected, eternal world. And in that world, we will be with him. He will be with us. We will be free from sin and death forever. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that Paul has been describing in the first eight chapters of Romans. It starts with creation and it follows all the way through the fall into sin and then the coming of Jesus and then then the future when all things are made perfect. Now, some of your hearts are encouraged. Some of your hearts are stirred. Some of your hearts are excited about this and some of you are asking, so why does this matter to us? Right? Like, what's the point of this? Why is this? <laughs> right? Like, there's just a lot of stuff here. Why does this matter to us? And I would say that if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand the passage of the Bible that we're trying to read and understand. Um, you're not going to understand large sections of the New Testament and why it describes what it describes. Frankly, you're not going to understand why your life is the way that it is. And so the Bible says, the reason this matters is because the Bible says that all of us live in this present evil age, okay? You see the little guy down at the bottom? We live, that's us. We live in this present evil age. All people are born into this present evil age. We all suffer from the evil that we do and the evil that's done to us. But what Paul is teaching us in this letter is that when we follow Jesus, when we commit to him as Lord, and when we believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead, we are rescued from this present evil age, and we are made part of the age to come. So few people would argue with me that we're down in the present evil age, but... This letter especially teaches us, not just this letter, but all of Paul's thinking reflects this reality that we also live in the age to come. So what this means, what this means, like is that Paul wants us to understand, he's trying to get us to understand, and he's been working on our understanding of this starting in Romans chapter 5. So Romans 5 talks about how we live in both of these worlds as these two worlds and these two worlds are colliding with each other and the struggle that we have is that we live in both of these worlds at the same time. And so, but I want you to think about it the way that Paul does and he, you know, what he would say is that even though you are part of this present evil age, you have been saved by Jesus and now you're also part of the new world that God is creating. All right, so why am I telling you all of this, right? Why, what's the point? Well, it's because understanding this, understanding this graphic, understanding the story of the Bible in this way, it'll help you to understand two, the two key words in the passage of Romans that we just read. We're talking about spirit versus flesh, right? Well, flesh doesn't mean physical. Okay, flesh doesn't mean everything that's physical. Flesh means human life that is filled with sin and part of this present evil age. Okay, that's what flesh means. Flesh means is a life, it's human life that's filled with sin and is part of this present evil age. And spirit, maybe you know where I'm going with this, spirit actually means it's life, it's human life that is filled with the Holy Spirit and is part of the age to come. When Paul talks about spirit, he's saying that this is, he's talking about human life that is filled with God's presence and is part of the age to come. He's saying Jesus conquered sin and death and evil, and Jesus invites us into a relationship with Him where we can know Him and He gives us His Spirit. His Spirit is His presence to strengthen us and to renew us. And so it's not physical versus spiritual. Paul is saying, look, there are two worlds that we coexist in. There are two worlds that have collided. There's the world of sin and the world of the Holy Spirit. The world of the Spirit of God and the world of God's presence. And if you are a Christian, you are connected to both of them. In verse 5, just to zoom in on verse 5, it says that you can live according to the flesh or you can live according According to the Spirit. So, you, as a follower of Jesus, you can live in either realm. And this is so helpful to understand. It's so helpful because the Bible is helping us to think about our lives. This explains why we struggle so much. It's because these two worlds are colliding, and the collision point is your soul. These two worlds collide in you, in me. Every day. It feels like sometimes every minute, this collision is happening. We saw in Romans seven, kind of the most graphic and like raw description of just how much this collision and this colliding, like how, how much it racks us. Paul says, I don't do the good things I want to do, but the evil things that I hate doing, that's what I find myself doing. He says, I find that like, the desire is in me to do what's good, but not the ability to carry it out. And so this struggle is happening in our soul. And what he's saying here in this passage is that God has brought the world of his presence to you. And he's inviting you to walk with him, to walk in his world, to walk with his presence. And this means, I mean, the good news about this is that what this means is that it's just an invitation for you to love him, to see what he's done and to care about what he has done and to care about him more than anything else. It means to love him more than everything else in the world. It's to serve him. I mean, this is the way, when we do this, we actually become places where the age to come invades this world. So like once this battle happens in our souls, as we walk in the spirit, as we walk in the presence of God, we actually take the battle from our souls and now we're bringing God's presence into more of the world around us there are relationships that you have where you can be God's presence in those relationships where, I mean, the struggle is still going on inside, but then there's these moments where you're filled with God's presence, where you're filled with God's spirit, and now the spirit is advancing into the lives of other people. There's situations in your workplace Right, where at work you're struggling, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're bitter, you wanna, I mean, you're tempted in all kinds of ways, whether it's people or it's the work itself or it's your boss or it's your employees, like in all of this, like the, the 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 collision is happening. And when you love God and you ask God, God, how do you want me to be your presence here? How can I live in your presence here in my workplace as God fills you with his spirit, as you have a sense of God's presence all of a sudden you're bringing God's presence into your workplace. The quality of your work matters. How you treat other people in your workplace matters. You end up imitating God in the work that you do as you serve people in your office, in your company, in your home, if your work is at home. Like you bring God's presence and you have this fragrance where people can feel some of the love and the grace of God because of you. This is what it means to live in God's presence. And as we do this, we get to expand God's kingdom here on earth. The age to come becomes larger in this present evil age, right? Isn't this what Jesus taught us to pray? He said, pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is just an overview of what is coming next as we enter into this new series on living in God's presence, we're going to dive into all of the details. And so, but what I want to do is I want to give you just some things so that you can put this into practice this week. I want you to take action this week and we're going to give you four things to do. First thing, first thing I want you to do this week is I want you to be encouraged in the gospel. Okay, be encouraged in the gospel because if this collision is happening in your soul if this struggle is part of your experience, that means you're not doing it wrong. If this collision is happening in your soul, that means that God's presence is in you and it's fighting against the present evil age. It's fighting against your sin and your brokenness. That's good news because that means, that means that you're a child of God. There are so many people who think that, man, if they're Christians, they should only live in the age to come. There are people who think, like, wait, wait, no, no, no. We're translated out of this present evil age and into the age to come. And so if we're really Christians, then life should be good. We shouldn't struggle. And so struggling then means for some people, if life goes bad, they think, well, either God can't help me, or God doesn't want to help me because he doesn't really love me, or maybe I'm not even a Christian. None of that's true. What's true is that as as human beings who are following Jesus, we're connected to both worlds at the same time. And so I want you to be encouraged. The struggle is proof that God's spirit is in you. Because look at what this, before our experience of these two worlds happened, Jesus came and experienced both of these worlds. Friends, the gospel teaches us that Jesus entered into this present age. He came near to us in our sin. He came near to us in this present evil age so that we would come near to him in the age to come. He died to love you in your sin. While we were still sinners, while we were ignoring God, while there was no struggle at all because we were running headlong into sin, Christ died for us. And if he loved you then, before there was any struggle, how much more does Jesus look at the struggle in your life and say, hey, take heart. The struggle means that I know there's a part of you, the deepest part of you, that loves me. So be encouraged in the gospel. Second, I want you to know that this this living in both worlds this is an adventure. There is a call to adventure to follow Jesus. Okay, and it's it's challenging because it doesn't like when I say call to adventure it feels like this triumphalist. Let's go climb Mount Everest. <laughs> Let's go climb Mount Whitney. Hey, that's in California. We can drive there today. Let's climb Mount Whitney, right? That's it's not like you know people don't die climbing Mount Mount Whitney, um, but. People think like, oh, call to adventure is this go, let's go do this amazingly fun, rugged kind of thing. And, and, and the reality for all of us, if you're honest, is that, man, when you're deep in the midst of the struggle, it doesn't feel like an adventure. It feels like hell. When you, have, when you feel like you've disappointed God for like the thousand and first time, that doesn't feel like an adventure at all when you give in to that habitual sin, when you're in that environment and you do the thing that you always hate doing, but you did it anyways, when you're in that relationship and you you pray and you hope that you're not gonna respond in that awful way and yet you do again, that doesn't feel like an adventure. And I get that, I get that. And if that's where you are, we've got a series of sermons on Romans 7 that will meet us there, okay? That'll meet us there when we are just raw and broken and frustrated and angry, But in Romans eight, there is a call to adventure. There is this understanding that though you were slaves of sin, now God's presence is in you. God's presence is in you and he is working in you. He is your loving heavenly father, right? He's not disappointed, he's not angry. He is excited about the growth that he sees in your life. And if you're on a scale of one to 100 and let's say you are like me in some areas of my life and you're at four. God's excited if you can get to six, right? Some of us think, well, if I don't get to 50, then I just, I'm terrible, right? And I shouldn't even show my face in God's presence until I get to 50 at least. And that's not our God. When our God sees us at four, he rejoices at five. He rejoices, we get to four and a half, And so, and he says, like, I'm with you. There is no condemnation for you because I died for your sin. I took away all of your sin. And so this is, it's you and me. And let's do this together. Like, that's God. He is eager to be in this relationship with you. He's eager to have you living in his presence. And so what that means is that there is something new that's born in you when you have God's spirit. There's something new that's born in you. You have a new power. You have this new love. And Jesus saves us, not because of anything that we have done, but only by his grace. But then he gives us his spirit and he invites us into this new life. And this new life, man, it's an adventure. It's exciting because God is with us and he's for us. And so I want you to know that this is an adventure. Okay, then, so the third thing I want you to try to do this week is I want you to join the physical and the spiritual, okay? Physical is not bad. The flesh is not just physical. The flesh is sinful, right? But there's a whole boatload of things that are not sinful that are physical, right? Sugar. Come on, right? Beer. Coffee. Right? Sex. In marriage is not bad. It's glorious and joy-filled, right? That's the design of God. And so how do we join the physical with the spiritual? I need you to know that that God came in Jesus not to give up on creation, but to renew it. God died and rose again in a physical body. Jesus is not some spirit in heaven now. Jesus has a physical body that is gonna be physical forever, We don't understand. I mean, God, who is a spirit, took on flesh and will be in a body forever. And so Jesus died and rose again, not to escape this world, but to bring his spirit into this world, to renew this world. So God's will is not that we should be separated from creation. The end goal of all human history and all of God's eternity is not disembodied evacuation. Right? We're not going to be souls up on a cloud somewhere in heaven forever. No, 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 no. no. Read the end of the Bible, the last two chapters. It's a new heavens and a new earth. We're going to have glorified resurrection bodies that somehow have this amazing capacity to experience all that life has for us to the nth degree in a way that only God could bless us with. And the end goal is us embodied with God's Holy Spirit living in the age to come and bringing more and more of the new world into this old world. So how do we join the physical and the spiritual? One sure way to do this is to be grateful. Practice gratitude. Be grateful for everything that you love. Be grateful for everything that God has given you. All of the things that are physical, all the things that maybe you think are irrelevant and don't mean anything, like these good things that God has given you, be thankful for them. When you're thankful, you give God thanks, you can praise him for all of your blessings. And in that moment then, the physical becomes spiritual. So join the physical and the spiritual. Last thing, last thing. I want you to learn the two worlds from Romans 5 through 8. Okay, these two worlds, the flesh and the spirit, the present evil age, the age to come. I want you to learn these two worlds from Romans 5 through 8. These overlapping realities that we live in. I want you to spend time this week reading over Romans 5 through 8. It's four chapters. Um, Probably take you like 15 minutes to read it all the way through. If you want to read one chapter, read Romans 5 today. Tomorrow, read Romans 6. Then read Romans 7. You can do one a day. You can read the whole thing. If you want to listen to it, it's about 15 minutes to listen to it on your phone with the YouVersion Bible app. Um, And I just, I want you to hear and see how these two worlds have collided, how Jesus has overcome sin and death. And I want you to see how these two worlds are described so that you can learn more about the new world that God has brought you into. Because the more you understand it, the more you'll experience it. Because the more you'll experience him. And there's the old and the new. And God wants you to walk in the new. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for entering into our present evil age and saving us. Thank you for joining us to the age to come. We now want to commit. We hate the fact that we have to live in both worlds, but we trust your plan to use us in both worlds to bring more of your world to this world. We want to follow you. We want to bring your world into our relationships, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our souls. Continue to open this new world to our hearts as we give ourselves to your word and help us, use us. Use us to be your ambassadors. Use us to reflect your love and your grace to others. We pray this in your name, amen.